Hey guys, welcome back to another TechCast. I'm 9. I'm 4. And I'm 2. And today we got another special roundup of news. Uh, you know, before we start, I just want to say this was the week of, and the month, as I've been told, of International Women's Day. So, you know, I want to give a shout out to all the influential women out there working hard, doing their best, you know, and hope they get recognized. So props to you guys. Um, but yeah, this has been a really interesting week in terms of news because it's my week, 100%. Of course. <laughs> um, but there's been some great news. I And, uh, you know, I like to jump right into it. So let's just hop into it. First things first, this new first roundup of news is going to be called, well, I'm going to clarify it as uh, Apple Killing. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Apple has been on kind of a murder streak. Um, and not the way you attend it. They're not killing off the competition. In fact, they're killing internally. Uh, and the first of one... And the first one on the choppy block was the good old HomePod. So if you guys didn't know, the original HomePod was killed off by Apple, which meant that if you wanted the original HomePod, uh, you're out of luck. Oh, no. Oh, legit? Yeah. I have no idea. The original HomePod is out, uh, and their uh, reasoning is that they want to focus more on the new. So several stores earlier this week already delisted the original HomePod, which was starting the rumors. But just recently, Apple has announced that they're completely killing off the HomePod. So if you want to get one, now is your time to get one because pretty much once those are gone, uh, they're gone from the Apple store. Well, uh, they said that they will still have existing support. So they'll continue to sell while the supplies last and they'll continue to provide the resistant HomePod users with software updates and support through Apple Care. But... If you want to get another one, it's you're out of luck. Uh, what do you guys think about that? You know, I think it's interesting. I, the I think it's really but, interesting. But I mean, I feel like if you if you think about like what people have in their own homes right now, in terms of other smart home you know devices like that, most people do have. I think the Google Home Minis, the Alexa Minis, right? They're far <laughs> more common now than they are like the full Alexas or like the full uh, Google Home items, right? So um, I think it might make sense for them. But at the same time, I do still think a lot of people do buy like the, the large Alexa products because you know they want to have bigger speakers, they want better sound. Um, so maybe there's some market being missed there. But um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you can correct like connect external speakers to them also. So I don't really think there's a a huge missed opportunity here, as long as it has all the same functionality. Yeah, I mean, so if you don't really know, realistically, in terms of the HomePod Mini to the HomePod, there really isn't that much changes. I believe the only real difference is the original has a little bit more drivers, but well, the original has spatial. Well, the original has spatial awareness and a home theater capability with the Apple TV, right? Which yeah, the Mini does not have. Well, the Mini doesn't have, but I think they plan actually to add that, or at least a, a variety or a, a, a version of theirs. With, yeah, uh, which if they do, then it's really no difference, right? Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, I mean, like, are you really getting a HomePod for that type of features? I really don't think so. I mean, if you're if you're really that concerned about a home surround sound or, you know, I guess, like, home theater support, I'm pretty sure you'll be getting more like a receiver type of stuff, especially with the price point. Remember, let's remember the, the HomePod was, like, about, like, $400, $300 when it first launched. So mm -hmm. that's around that price point. You start talking about receivers, audio receivers. that can probably do a little bit job and have more... Uh, what's it called? Range of support in terms of uh, you know output devices. Yep. So uh, that's a big part of I think why the the HomePod kind of failed. Even back when it first released, I remember not being very excited about it. Even though I was, I remember in the market or was looking forward to an Apple speaker, but I felt like the price was a little bit too high. There was also a lack of movement when it first released. Not really everyone bought it. 
Um, and it was too pricey. A lot of people complained at the time it was right too pricey for what it was. Uh, but I think the new HomePod Mini kind of sparks that kind of niche that Thor was talking about. Mm -hmm. And also, it's just a great price that I think even if you're kind of hesitant on it, I think people are willing to pull the trigger more and give it a shot. So I think that's a good move. I personally wouldn't just kill off the HomePod completely because maybe there is a still an audience for it. But I do recognize that just they, focusing on the, the MIDI would actually provide way more beneficial for them. But yeah, yeah. that's the HomePod. Uh, RIP HomePod, uh, you look kind of cool, but you were way too expensive for my wallet. Let's end so a <laughs> photo with like Harambe and like all of like, you know, your other dead memes. Harambe, open arms. Join me, yeah. my brother. Join me. <laughs> but anyway, you if you think uh, the Apple was done killing off their own products, you are sadly mistaken. Because this week, they also decided to kill off another pricey uh, product of theirs. Oh, God, okay. But and if, if you and I know someone out there is probably thinking pricey with Apple. No, yeah, well, even pricier because Apple decided to discontinue their famous or I guess infamous iMac Pro. Thank so, God. If you guys don't know what the iMac Pro for anyone out there for those Google fanboys or non Apple or Apple haters, uh, it was basically their really ridiculous, expensive, uh, professional as they call it. Uh, only one desktop computer. We're talking, if you want an estimate of what we're talking about in terms of price range, we're talking about starting at $5,000. That's a starting oh, price. Oh, man. Right? And I believe it can go up to easily, what was it, uh, to, you remember, like, up thick, like 16000 16000 right? Easily. Very easily. I think you can even reach 20000 in in some configs. Uh, so we're talking about heavy money, right? Now, again, this is also the, I believe, the famous, uh, what's it called? You know, the ones that pretty much a lot of people thought that were kind of ridiculous and stuff like that. But Apple assured them that, hey, this is for the professional out there, not for the everyday consumers. Mm -hmm. Which is funny, because if you guys know a little bit of history about Apple, right? The iMac was actually designed originally, originally for professionals, right? They just didn't name it as a pro, but that's what it was branded originally as. So it's really funny that they came out with this and branded it as a well, pro and really all they did was make it space gray it's clearly because this is for the pro pros you know the guys that are really so pro they need another <laughs> pro title you know they have two titles from their name that's how good yeah they are. yeah that's why they spend the big bucks yeah but anyway it, it's sense. it's crazy i mean this is uh similar to the home part i think this only came out very recently like only four years ago three years ago um it was released back in 2017 um and there are rumors are saying there might be a successor or are similar successor to this, maybe a little bit cheaper though, uh, but nothing has been confirmed. And at the moment, Apple just decided to completely discontinue it. So it's gone, gone, bye bye, adios. So what do you guys think about this? Right? Goodbye. You know, I'm I'm happy it's gone, dude. Because like this is, I know it never fit. There was no fit in the product line for Apple. Yeah, it still did all its killer stuff and everything, right? But like, when you could easily just go get a Mac Pro, which is the desktop version of this, and just buy your own monitor to take advantage of even higher specs for the same price like there was really no point here for this kind of stuff right so i don't know in my view it just never really fit in the whole ecosystem and i think it was about time they finally killed it makes sense i mean it was so expensive that like i don't think anyone had it in their radars i, I at least i knew i wasn't it must have been uh, only yeah. like business professionals maybe people who like it was. have a very specific yeah. use case for it and i mean like for the most part i don't 
you know, maybe they're buying other things. I know a lot of uh, most of your businesses really are still probably window shops, so there's very limited audience. So, hundred percent, exactly. Like I said, we're talking about a niche audience here, right? The Apple when they first revealed this, knew that this you're really was... talking about like the most high end video game designers for Apple, as well as like the most high end like photo professionals that use Apple system, right? Yep. Yeah. But other than that, that's a very very niche marketing compared to like the whole world that uses Windows, you know. And even then, I'm thinking about people who are like. Those people who are really high end, right? We're, I'm pretty sure they will still prefer getting maybe a Windows in this case, especially for the price, because they can probably get a or more they go... graphical uh, processing unit for that price and save well uh, thousands of dollars in the process easily. Or they go and just get a what's it called the uh, the Mac Pro, right? The desktop version, just connect their own monitors. Yeah. Yeah. yeah true. That's a lot of different ways. So I think Apple saw the right on the wall and decided to kill it off. I think we can all agree it was a a pretty good move on their part. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what they do. Maybe maybe they just kill it off so they can bring in an even more pricier successor. Wouldn't be the first. Probably. Anyway, we're done for Apple right now. Um, they they killed enough, I think, for now. We'll, we'll see. Maybe next week they'll start chopping more up. But for now, uh, it looks like their spring cleaning is probably done. So let's move on to the next thing, and that is, we're talking about Netflix. So Netflix was on the radar this week. Um, and not a lot of people liked what Netflix is thinking about doing. So if you guys know the infamous, you know, Netflix sharing mm-hmm. is pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty much abundant. It's ro- running rampant. You probably know someone that's sharing his account with his brother, sister, parents, second best friend removed, ex-girlfriend, the works, right? You're, there's probably someone you know that's doing that right now. Well, Absolutely. Probably more than one person. Probably 100%. Probably dozens of people you know that are doing that. 100%. And with the whole pandemic going on, you know, streaming services have been on the on the extremely rise, right? Yep. And it makes sense that such rampancy with sharing has also increased as well. Well, Netflix has definitely taken notice of that. And because of that, they decided to... Uh, start uh, checking up on their password sharing practices and start notifying people. So this past week, some Netflix subscribers got a pop-up warning that, and I quote, if you don't live with the owner of this account, you would need your own account to keep watching. So um, right now, it it seems that Netflix is already now starting to really dabble on enforcing such things. Because if you guys don't know, this type of Privacy policy has always been, you know, an issue, and legally, it it makes sense. They're they're allowed to enforce uh, the fact that you have to have your own account to view their services, right? Yep. The issue is that over the past over the years, as streaming services have got more and more convenient, the enforcement of such practices hasn't really been anyone's forethought, right? Sure, maybe um, you could make more money by trying to force people to get their own account. But at the same time, it also brings you good word-of-mouth press because now your friends get to try it out before, and eventually, you know, you might decide to get one. Well, since Netflix is now like a billion-dollar company, I think now they decided they want to crack on on it. They haven't said specific words or even a plan exactly or even said anything that they're taking concrete action, but the pop-up has already kind of scared a lot of people that that's the route that Netflix is going to go. And they're actually going to start actively enforcing such things. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to get your, your opinions on this. What do you guys think about such things? I don't think it's going to stop anybody. <laughs> the, the people are going to keep sharing passwords. 
there's too many people that use Netflix for them to catch everybody. And, I mean, I think they're going to get themselves into a world of trouble because if they just misenforce any of their policies, they'll end up with a class action lawsuit, I think. You know, like, yeah, my main Netflix... issue here... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, yeah. My main issue here is how are you going to enforce this, right? Like, for example, take... Say, for example, us three live together as roommates, right? We have one Netflix account that all three of us share, right? Yeah. But nine, four, say you two went on vacation somewhere, right? And you guys are just logged into Netflix in the hotel room, yep. and I'm logged into Netflix from home. Yep. How how is Netflix going to enforce that? Is Netflix going to stop like you guys from connecting from your hotel room See, this just is because my exact like thought right or like what if I you know like there's so many edge cases here that you cannot account for what are they going to just cut my service yeah. because I'm looks a spit like it doesn't make sense like it's almost impossible to effectively enforce this. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. I, I have no idea how Netflix plans on doing this, which is probably why they don't have a right now. Yeah, but it's definitely something on their thoughts. And just um, wait, wait for it, right? What ha what happens if someone spins up a new service where, oh, guess what? We're just doing Netflix via VPN, and all of you and your friends can log in through my web app, and you'll have the same IP, and Netflix will never know. You know, like, yeah. What, I mean, what stops someone from doing something like that, or just third-party applications, right? Like, there's there's so many other things that could be developed and will be developed if there's monetary possibilities for it. So, I, I mean, VPN VPN is already a valid option. I mean, all you gotta do. Signing with the same VPN, yep. right? Yep. Say, go to the same server when you do the initial login, and then to the Netflix eyes, they haven't changed, right? It's always everyone's on the same location. So even if they start enforcing by location, it wouldn't even work. So I really have no idea how Netflix plans on doing this. Maybe they do it based on device ID. I don't know, some sort of thing like that, but... Then you get the whole issue like, well, I thought I could have as many devices. Well, now you want me to expose my registered device to Netflix so Netflix can store that information on their servers. And what if I get a new device, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, there's too many. And now Netflix is going to control how many devices I can actually have connected onto the platform. Like, this is a very slippery slope Netflix will fall into. And this will just give more and more shared Disney Plus, right? So yep. let's be real here. Yep. Like, Netflix has to be real, really careful here because... They make one wrong move, bam, their market share is gone. Disney Plus just gains the rest of the market share. And Disney Plus is no slouch, right? They have almost 50% of the market share now. So I, I wouldn't like, be surprised if like what goes on. Or 30 or 40. I don't think it's 50. But they're just on the wait. rise. They're on the rise. Yeah, so just wait really for it. Right Give now. it six months. They actually beat expectations. I remember last time I read. Uh, you know, mainly to the yeah, think about it. Disney Plus. But, Disney Plus got released in November. We're sitting in March right now, and they already have thirty-five percent of the market share. Right. Well, by the end of this one year, it definitely helped that there was a pandemic and everyone's indoors. Yeah, that's fair. But also, we can also slouch on you know the great content that Disney has been bringing out. Like WandaVision is a great example of this. You have the Mandalorian, which was like pretty much the only reason I bought a Disney plus subscription in the first place and now they have like new marvel content like every month now basically. And you know so, if you just look, think about it how easy is it to just pirate stuff anyway right think about everyone you know who doesn't buy the streaming services and just pirates i'm sure you know a couple of people who do that anyway you know who's your friend you can say oh do you have a link to any movie watching websites and i'm sure everyone that's listening right now could probably get that you know so if Netflix 100%. makes it too difficult, people will just stop subscribing to Netflix and will just pirate movies instead, and then they have no customers. They're not on. Yeah. Right. This yeah. is another thing they got to be very careful about. So it's like 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 uh like two said, it's a slippery slope for them. Yeah. They gotta be so Netflix, careful. if you're listening, I bet you are listening. Don't do it. Anyway, let's move on. Um, another security uh 
kind type of uh, story. And that's my old buddy Bitwarren. So if you guys don't know what Bitwarren is, it is a password manager, uh, which recently has been getting a lot of popularity because of the whole uh, policy change that LastPass happened. If you guys didn't know, LastPass, another password manager, uh, recently changed their free tier. Uh, policy to now enforce that you can only have one device at a time. So yep. previously, you can, you can have as many devices as you want. You still use their services. No issues, no cost. Boom. Well, you know, starting, I think, I think next week, they're going to start making you choose one device. And that one device is the only device you can use to access your vault or your passwords. So there's been a huge migration of, of LastPass users away from LastPass. And the biggest appealing op, uh, alternative has been Bitwarrant. And they've been blowing up. I personally have been one of those migrators who migrated away from LastPass to Bitwarrant, and I loved it. It's really great. So far, I, I don't have a need to pay for it, but I'm actually even considering buying it just for their advanced security options. Yep. But the thing I want to talk about is this unique feature that I think not even a lot of password managers have, but it, they, they call it Secure Send. So we all been in situations where we kind of want to share, you know, let's go back to our previous example, our Netflix passwords to our friends, right? But you don't just want to copy and paste that, you know, in case, you know, you know, emails or whatever. Why not? Well, let's just say the, there's been some reports of uh, not very trusty in the, uh, companies that have been snooping on you and stuff like that. Or, you know, it might get leaked or whatever. Either way, you want to be secure because you have a, you know, a privacy kind of mindset, right? Yep. So how do you do that? How do you solve that, right? Well, Barry Warren got your back. They recently allowed this new uh, secure sentence they do it by basically using one of your passwords in their vaults to create a sort of like secure link. And basically you can modify the options of the link. You can have it so only like one person can view it. You can have it to uh, specific people that only are a certain amount of click-throughs or even uh, lock behind a password, right? So you can share passwords or even other sensitive information with a more secure mindset. Interesting. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I know some others, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, software also uses it for like really sensitive information. Um, like I think uh, for like contracts and stuff like that, then there's a specific software that does that uh, or secure emails. I know some corporations use it, uh, but it's nice to see that uh, for passwords now, it's being offered more to the consumer side and, you know, giving consumers more privacy mindset. So what do you guys think about that? I'm always pro privacy. You know that. I know you are for. I know you are. Now, have you guys have have this on have these features and many more? Consider you guys checking out Bitwarren. No, I mean I'm pretty mm. happy with my current pass with my current password manager, and I really think I have a need for a lot of these other features that, you know, isn't kind of met by like you know for example, like sharing data and whatnot. I think that's mm -hmm. pretty easily done using something like Google Drive or whatever as well, and you, know, you can put a file up there. And then either get a link or share it with individual emails, right? And then only people you link to it have access to it, right? There's other, there's other, I guess, softwares that you can do file sharing and whatnot through. And um, the password sharing one is interesting, though. I do kind of like that because, you know, I, I know like sometimes if you and your family have shared accounts for stuff, like, you know, going back to Netflix, for example, right? Maybe yeah. you all want to share a Netflix password and whatnot. That could probably be useful in those cases, but... Um, aside from those, like I don't really think I have any other shared accounts besides Netflix, so it's really kind of a, a one-off use case for me. So I don't know if I necessarily have a direct need for them, but pretty cool though. They have some interesting stuff. Pretty cool, yeah. There's more. I heard many, as I say, many more features to come. 
Uh, but it's really cool. Anyway, let's move on to the next one. This next round of stories are very gaming focused. And so we're going to start with the next one. And that's going to be Microsoft. So if you guys, I don't know if we talked about this in this podcast, but Microsoft bought Bethesda, a very famous uh, yep. game uh, maker known for classics such as Fallout, the Doom series, Prey, um, and other similar, you know, uh, best-selling titles in their catalog. Well, this was back a, a couple months ago when they made it announced it, but only recently has they been approved by the EU and FCC for the acquirement of Bethesda. Mm-hmm. And this past week, has they officially announced and welcomed Bethesda into the Microsoft family. And to catalyze this, uh, Microsoft decided to add 20 Bethesda titles immediately, same day, to the Xbox Game Pass. Well, So you pretty much have almost in the entire Bethesda catalog on Game Pass now. I think they're only missing like two games. That's and interesting. I and I wouldn't be surprised if those games come like literally in the next couple of weeks. And plans have it that pretty much any future Bethesda titles that are coming out will come out on day one on Xbox Game Pass. So we're talking about like the next Fallouts, the next Doom front series, Wolfenstein, which is another popular one, yeah, Elder look, Scrolls. Look at it. It's like everything. All the Doom stuff, Dishonored stuff, Fallout, yep, you know, Skyrim, yep. Oblivion, Elder Scrolls Online, Wolfenstein, like... These are all of their best titles, man. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, and if anyone who doesn't know what Xbox Game Pass is, again, let's go back to that whole analogy. It's the Netflix of gaming, basically. Pay one, uh, basically one fee a month, and you get access to pretty much an endless catalog of games, as you can see here. And they're constantly bringing more and more games to it, so making a better and better deal every single month. Yep. Uh, cool. Honestly, at this point, I, if you're a gamer and you have a PC or an Xbox, especially even an Xbox, or both. You sh- well, both. You should be trying out this. Uh, like, even if you're unsure, you're saying, I don't really play that much games to justify. I think at this point, even paying the, the what is it, like $10, what is it, $8 a month, I think it's worth it. If you play like one or two games, I think it's worth it, especially since a lot of these games are new. We're not talking about 20-year-old games, 10-year-old games, 5-year-old games. We're talking about new games, and with Bethesda's backing, you're pretty much getting day one games that are coming out for like $8 a month, you know? So it's insane. What do you what do you guys think about this? Do you think Xbox Game Pass is pretty much legit coming to Netflix of uh, of gaming? I think so, man. They're getting popular. I know that, you know, at least for me as a PC gamer with a lot of friends that are on Xbox, the ability to do cross platform on some of the games that are going to be on Game Pass now and moving forward will be cool. And you know, I I just think it's kind of interesting. You know, not having to buy all these games that you're going to play and probably be done with after a couple of months. Yeah. I mean, it's better than Turner than than what I was doing before, which is buy a bunch of Steam games and then playing like the same two every year. Yep. So, you, at least I save Steam, my money. Steam sale, you buy all the games, you never actually download or play any of them. You never <laughs> play them all. You still play the same two games every year. Yep. I'm I'm kind of curious uh Chu's perspective of this. I know he's um, a big gamer like uh, me and four. So what do you what do you how do you see this from a non gamer perspective too? From a non-gamer perspective and coming from like the whole business perspective, I think it's great, right? I think Microsoft is really going to become, you know, Microsoft was already a force to reckon with in the gaming sector with Xbox, but now with their renewed focus on PC and everything, it's it's not looking good for the rest of the industry, right? Yeah. It's looking more and more like, you know, especially with now Stadia going down, right? Like it's looking more and more like 
Microsoft will become king in this space, right? Microsoft will be the one to beat. And now you have a company that controls not only all the PCs in the world, right, with Windows, but now also controlling all the gaming in the world. It's not looking good, right? The only thing, the only competitive advantage the other gaming sectors would have are just these iconic titles, right, that are just limited to them. So for Sony, that would be like the God of War series, for example, right? For Nintendo, it's anything Mario-related, right? But everything else, it's fair game for Microsoft, right? So you're talking about maybe an 80-20 rule right here. 80% is Microsoft, 10% Nintendo, 10% Sony, right? So not looking good for the other players, but looking really good for Microsoft right now. Yeah. Yeah, but you shouldn't discount the power of exclusivity, right? I mean, I know a lot of people, and personally me, would still buy Nintendo console just to get those exclusive Nintendo games. And especially Sony, who's been really killing it with their uh, exclusive lineup. Like, they've been honestly bringing out... Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. But with the recent partnerships, Microsoft's already planning with Nintendo to bring Mario over onto the PC side of things, right? I wouldn't be surprised to see Microsoft start paying a licensing fee to use the exclusive content instead of buying it outright. Believe it. I think I think I heard about those rumors, but I don't see it to believe. I really do. Nintendo is just not one to play very nice with other companies. Um, well, when Nintendo goes bankrupt, I'm sure Microsoft will be waiting not to going bankrupt. over on their not going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. If anything, the Switch sales have been rising and rising every month. They're not in, <laughs> they're not in, they're not in that position too. They're honestly doing very well. Uh, I I'm, think say, I, I'm just saying, 10 years down the line, you know, I mean, we'll maybe may, may the end of what we know. Sure, but 10 years before down the line, uh, Nintendo was still killing with the Wii, so I think we're pretty. I think they're pretty good right now. But anyway, yeah, I just hope that uh, if they do become the Netflix of gaming, it kind of stays like that and it doesn't become what Netflix is now, where it had to split all its content across eight different streaming services. And you have to get, and you're paying like eight different streaming services just to get the same content. Well, the reason, well, the, all right, so let me clarify that a little bit, right? The reason I don't see that happening with Microsoft is because Microsoft actually owns the content here, right? And that's the key thing. That's the key thing you want to establish here is that you have one person who's not only the user of the content, but the owner of the content. Whereas with Netflix, Netflix was really paying just rental fees to actually get that content onto their platform, right? They were just a platform provider. True. But not, everything, not, the not everything in the Game Pass is uh, owned by Microsoft. You're right. So, so it can yeah. be the case that you have other games that go off and just pour it over to their own stuff, right? To just have them download it. But okay. even then, I don't see that happening more just because at that point, you're just going to have people go and just download to da- play their games. And with microtransactions becoming more and more prevalent in gaming, mm-hmm. right? The real money to be had is not actually selling the game. It's the microtransactions with the ah, game, right? Well, too, I'm so, really glad you brought that up. Because that perfectly transitions to my next story. EA. Now we all know <laughs> EA. EA, as we call them in industry, the kings, the the connoisseur of microtransactions. And nothing is a more prime example of, of, of a microtransaction first and a game second than their sport lineups of, you know, FIFA and Madden. Right? Well, you know, it's been known for years that they're known kind of scummy microtransactions practices. But in <laughs> alone, things would turn up to 11. Uh, now known around the uh, Twitter as the EA gate, um, an unknown EA employee has been accused of selling extremely rare FIFA 21 Ultimate Team cards for thousands of dollars. So there have been screenshots of a chat of individuals who talking to someone who's pretty much almost confirmed to be an EA employee. 
and selling his services to guarantee you specific cards and drops. So basically, wow. you go to him. Oh man! And you pay him, and I think his rates were. I saw the. Uh, I saw the. Uh, I think the rates were starting at a thousand dollars, right? For a thousand dollars, you can get three icons and two team of the year cards. These, if you guys, for people who don't play FIFA, we're talk. These cards are the o- ultra rare lineup. We're talking about less than a percentage, less than one percent uh, probability of getting these cards. Uh so the fact that you can only pay a thousand dollars and get like five of these cards, guarantee, guarantee, um, is have a lot of people kind of spitting fire at EA and the set employee. So. At the moment, uh, EA has responded, and they said that we are aware of the allegations that are cur- currently circulating within our community wow. relating, relating to the FIFA 21 Ultimate Teams. They they said that a thorough investigation is on their way, and if we do identify improper conduct, we will take swift action. We want to be clear, this type of behavior is unacceptable. Now, I wonder, uh, did he break laws doing this, or is he just breaking policy i'm curious is this a criminal is, behavior there, is there a law with this is there, is there I mean, a law with this it could, it could it could fall into that four has a good point it could fall into this because i mean like he could be breaking uh specific laws when it comes to like selling like basically this is like ea's goods if you think about it right so selling their their product without their approval yeah that's civil but though how? right we're talking about criminal I'm how, curious. I don't know how this is going to end up. Obviously, the guy will get fired if they catch him. But like at the moment, the guy's, all right, the guy's done well, here. He's fired from EA. Well, That's well, 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 well here, the right? moment at the moment, it seems like they're not even clear who the employee is. Well, I mean, I, 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 you okay. tell me this dude got away look, with it? Look, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that EA hasn't made it public that they found the person yet. He's using a system account. That's it. He'll never get caught. It's a shared account. That's it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine he's just using a shared account that like a hundred people have access to? Oh yeah, what do you do at that point? Lay off the whole division? Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know. It could be tough. I really have no idea. It's it's, it's rough, especially since EA's already been known. So it has that being kind of unfair pay to win, and for their games, you have this coming up, uh, pretty much confirming a lot of people's suspicions. A lot of YouTubers. Um, like, you know, FIFA YouTubers have been also going up in arms in Twitter uh, after, after this whole thing kind of blew up, uh, especially since a lot of them have been, like, pouring, like, thousands and thousands of dollars into the game. Yeah. Um, and only now they're finding out, like, well, you're telling me I could have just paid a $1,000 and I, I could have had a guy uh, just give me these guarantee cards. Or even even more importantly, the fans, right? Guys who don't spend many that much dollars. We're talking about, like, maybe $10 a week or $20 a week, maybe sometimes. And they pay and play and play just to get those cards, but they're always losing to that guy because he spent three thousand dollars and he gets all the best team, all the best members. So oh, it really got the whole community just really riled up right now. Um, and right now, apparently, EA yeah, just saying that they're they were aware of it now. They weren't sure this was going on. But my real question is, how long has this going on? Right? Can we can we can we? I think it's safe to assume this is not just something recent. Right, this might be going back for who knows how many FIFAs. The yeah. way the guy described it was that he says he needs very little information to give you the cards. He says all he really needs is he needs your PlayStation Network uh, name and your EA ID number, and he can give you those cards. Wow! 
And that's it. You get the cards easily from his end. There has to be someone with like the database access to get like more information, right? There has to be someone with that. They, they could be. Right? They have to be able to narrow it down, right? You would think, but you know, even if you narrowed it down, you're still talking about a team, right? Unless you get like four set of specific, uh, like, uh, and like uh, chat logs and that accounts, or maybe you can narrow it down. But if it's a share account, then again, how do you narrow it down further? How do you narrow it down to one person? I feel like at this point, if they knew who it was, they would have, they would have said something. Unless they do know who it is, and they just don't want to make it public, right? which is also another case. Ooh, it could right? be. Could be that could be a Kyrie. Like maybe they want to make sure they get their 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 eggs perfectly placed before they they announce anything. You know, they, it it would be really bad news also if EA decides to they figure it out it's the wrong person. That would be a huge double whammy, and that would be t- entirely on their fault. So I think they want to make sure they they, they tie this one pretty well. Um, the the balls in their court, as they say, and it can end up pretty badly. So they're really fighting an uphill battle. If you think about it, you know, they already had that stigma. Of being a very unfair company, so it's gonna be interesting to see how EA tops this. You know, maybe two, maybe maybe get some interesting stories. Next. Yeah, yeah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> It'll oh, probably yeah. come out two weeks from now. Yeah, 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 exactly. Probably Four? two weeks. From now. You can handle it. Thank you. Anyway, let's move on. Two last stories to really tie this up. One really sad one, and one pretty hilarious. I gotta say, um, uh, you know, I was a love on the good ones. So sad one. If you guys didn't know. Lou Audit, the inventor of the cassette tape, died this week. No. Oh, man. So if you guys don't know who Lou Audit is, he was a former Philips engineer who gave the who gave the world its first compact cassette tape. Uh, he was 94 when he died on March 6th, and he's worked on the cassette tape since the early 1960s, right? He said in past interviews that he, the, the reasoning behind his invention for the cassette tapes was that he wanted to develop a way for people to listen to music that was affordable and accessible in a way that large reel-to-reel tapes at the time were not, right? He wanted a way to develop basically a unified and affordable, accessible way for everyone. Uh, he he worked with Philips, and he convinced Philips to license his invention to other manufacturers for free, which is why the format of cassettes blew up during the 60s and 70s. Uh, he really didn't see this as a monetary gain, he really wanted to really make sure that everyone had an affordable way of music. Uh, he eventually went on to help Philips and Sony develop the CD. So this man is pretty much... Um, what's this guy's a legend. This guy's a legend. I mean, you can think about all the early formats in terms of not even just music, but like CDs. We're talking about now, you know, movies and stuff like that and stuff like that. So it's... He, he really did... Uh, left his impact on the world, Right. Uh, especially since cassette tapes, if you guys didn't know, in the last recent years have been blowing up in terms of popularity and sales. In 2016, the sale of the format increased by 74%. Uh, and two years after that, it grew another 23% from with the help of soundtracks such as Stranger Things and Guardians of the Galaxy. So, you know, nostalgia for old-time things such as cassette tapes have been blowing up. Uh, and it's just sad that this, you know, legend has, you know, passed away. So what, what do you guys think about this? Dude, that's, that's, that's really sad to hear that he's passed away. But like, you know, his contribution to technology and engineering will forever live on, you know, everyone will be taught about the cassette tapes and, you know, vintage, vintage, uh, people like vintage stuff will have it forever. And, you know, it's, 
it's pretty it's it's really cool you know they, these these guys and 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 women that created all of this technology really before the internet was around they have a lot of like respect for me and you know as another person in you know software and electronic space you know they're really good role models because you know imagine doing what you do today but not having google to help you with it right so let alone making something new completely that no one's done before right it's uh it's pretty incredible and you know what they did was not easy 100 percent, man's a legend in my heart it it really is yes truly i could honestly if you think about it everything really extends back to him right you want to know what's something crazy though what this dude actually retired from this industry back in 1986 Mm -hmm. wasn't even born so he's had a He's yeah, and he's already had forty, maybe almost close to forty-five years of just doing whatever he wanted. So I can't imagine the inventions and everything that he has just lying underneath from all those treasures, right? Yeah, honestly, yeah. I mean, it. it, it I'm glad he got to spend the last four many years of his life doing what he wanted to do. But honestly, the contributions of that man alone. I mean, think about it, like just the stuff that like cassette tapes pouring out. You can think about all your your parents, our parents, right? Who got to experience music because of this and grandparents uh, grandparents too and then the cd too think about the cd like you were talking about like a hot like innovation after innovation this man was doing this was, was not a one spell kind of dude this guy went on and kept doing and the thing i really loved about it was the fact that he wanted to make sure that phillips uh were licensing out his invention for free he didn't want to keep this to himself he didn't just want to make a, a he could have made tons of money you know patting this selling this out but he decided not to mm-hmm. he kept to that dream so mm-hmm. respect to you man RIP. Anyway, let's move on with the last story. Yeah. And this one is it's a, it's a woozy. So you guys heard, heard of uh, OpenAI, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an open source software for anyone who doesn't know out there for, you know, AI technology and stuff like that. Great innovation. Those guys are really killing it and, you know, constantly releasing new features and innovations after innovation. Well, anyway, uh, OpenAI, state-of-the-art machine learning, machine vision AI was fooled uh, recently in an article oh, by no. uh, handwritten notes. Oh, no. nice. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you, if you don't know what this is, basically researchers from Machine Learning Lab at OpenAI has discovered that their state-of-the-art machine computer vision system can be deceived by tools by no, by no more than uh, uh, complicated than a pen and a notepad. Uh, as you can see illustrated in that image, uh, simply writing down the name of an object and sticking it on another can be enough to trick the software into misidentifying on what it's seen. So if you it's guys can't... typographic attack. Look at that. Yeah, it, it is a typographic. They actually refer to this attack as uh, typographic attacks, which means that it exploits the model's abilities to read uh, text verbally. We find that even photographs of handwritten text can often fool the model. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's insane. They also note that uh, that similar that, that these attacks are similar to adversarial at- images, which can fool commercial machine vision systems, but are far simpler to produce. Uh, a good example of that is uh, when that that they were trying to trick Tesla self-driving cars to change lanes without warning by placing specific stickers on the road. I don't know if you guys remember that story a couple of months ago. No, I don't remember that. Uh, basically, Tesla's cameras on their cars were being tricked because someone was placing stickers to test this. Mm-hmm. And because the stickers were placed, um, uh, Tesla's car stopped. The, the lanes were shifting, so the car shifted with it. Oh, man. oh wow! Yeah. So that's just simply by 
placing a couple of stickers down. Like that, that's not that complicated. Now, uh, I would want to reiterate that the researchers from OpenAI uh, do note that the AI software in question that got tricked by this was an experimental system called Clip, which isn't developing any commercial product right now, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason this is happening is because the nature of Clip's unusual machine learning architecture creates this weakness and enables this attack to be so successful. Got it. Right? So Clip, it, it, the way Clip works is I trying to explore how AI systems learn to identify objects without close supervision on, by training on huge databases of images or text. So it, unlike traditional machine learning, uh, machine learning and uh, vision systems, it's it's not trained by first having a whole training period of images and stuff like that to identify what it is. It does itself. Uh, it does it self-identify over time, right? Interesting. Uh, okay. Be- so this is like a true AI type of system, exactly. right? Where it's like it's really thinking. There's no nurturing going on, as to say, right? Um. So and it's because of that. This is why it's such an autopilot, true AI state it can be fooled by these little attacks right another really good example that they also gave that i really like is that they put a picture of a chainsaw i don't know if you guys saw in the article right yeah which, which identifies a chainsaw but by simply putting dollar signs all over the image it thinks it's a piggy bank oh no <laughs> man well so you know these these it's a i found it we're talking about some of the most complicated, significant soft technology out there, right? These these things are no jokes when it comes to programming and developing for, right? Yet it can be fooled by a little notepad and a pen, um, and which I find hilarious. It really feels like uh, most of my jobs too, uh, how easily it can be uh, broken. But yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, dude, it's kind of no, funny. No, definitely. It really is just kind of funny. But it's interesting because it shows you the power that AI is coming to, right? That if you give it just a generic picture, it can identify, hey, that's a Granny Smith apple, right? So that that itself for me is scary without any training, right? Giving, just showing a machine that this fruit and it just identifies, yeah, that's a Granny Smith apple, right? That itself is just scary from, yep. an, a, from an AI perspective, right? Now, obviously, yes, it's funny that we're tricking it by putting an iPod label on it and reading literally iPod, right? Mm-hmm. But think of it this way. Here's the best analogy I would think of this, right? Think of this as like a toddler, right? Okay. You say, you give this, you show this toddler this apple, he goes, oh, it's an apple. Now you show him an apple that's labeled iPod on it, he's going to go, oh, that's an iPod, right? Mm-hmm. This is the phase we are at with AI right now, if you think about it, right? So just imagine where it will be 5, 10, 15 years from now, where you're going to show the same exact image, right? of this apple with looking at an iPad, iPod, and it going, oh, that's an apple. I'm not a dumbass, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you know? Like, why'd so, you put that iPod label on this apple? What are you trying yeah, to say? Yeah, right? Trick? What do you think about Baby? Yeah, and that's scary to think about. That's scary to think about because here's the other thing, right? Humans will die, right? Yeah, and I humans' will. brain gets less sharp over time. AI only gets stronger and stronger and stronger, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's a, you know, it's a very scary, very scary thing. You could end up about. with an AI smarter than the smartest person on the planet, which is, you're right, a little scary. What do we do? Yeah. Well, hopefully it can still be fooled by this attack and we just put in non-threat over our faces and we'll be fine. <laughs> non-threat, right? <laughs> keep it, we'll keep it hardwired. Leave, leave that in, it's a feature. You can, yeah, it's no a feature. Internet too. Access. <laughs> no internet access. But yeah, that was the uh, tech cast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I had a variety of different news. There was a lot of things going on. Week. This and, is quite uh, a different week. It was interesting. It, it was an interesting week. Um, 
um, thank you, EA, for stepping up with that controversy. Really spiced up my week. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. I hope you enjoyed TechCast. Don't forget to like, follow us on our social media. We will love to hear what you guys hear, think of us. And, you know, if you have any suggestions on other stories, let us know. At the 429podcast and the 429podcast.com as well. Uh, Facebook. Yeah, we have some exciting things coming up this week for social media. So be on the lookout on our Instagram page. We have some exciting stuff coming up this week. So keep on the lookout, guys. Yep. But that's all for today. And I hope to see you next week. Take care, guys. Later.